Welcome to this week's episode of Esports Wrap. I'm your host, Michael Amorgan. This week, as um, some of you may have seen in our uh, stream information, I'm going back a bit of what um, I had said in a previous episode. I think that episode was just a few weeks ago. Um, I'm trying to find which esports rap anthem. So that was February 27th. And that was esports rap number 41. That's when I released it on YouTube. You can listen to that episode there. Or listen to it as a podcast, pretty much any way that you listen to podcasts, on our website, morecookies.com, M-O-A-R-cookies.com. That being said, the game has not turned out the way I think many of us that were, at the time, still really pushing for it. There's still been continuous changes, but the developers have not really been as vocal as they used to be. And the reason for that, we've been told, is because we were too harsh and toxic as a community on Reddit, which is where they would really talk, and on Twitter, which is another place where the devs themselves would talk to us. Um, but as of today, even worse information has come out. And this one kind of goes in a number of ways. It goes from mismanagement, it goes from stress, it goes from, well, I think let's just get into it. Before we get into the actual um, report, however, I would like for us to take a moment and start off in a slightly different way and talk about what I'm going to be talking on. So the first thing is Bioware. Actually, Bioware is the parent company of the game Anthem, along with other games like Apex. Which, well, no, they're the parent company of games like Mass Effect, Andromeda, um, so on and so forth, which you'll hear other games from them. They are owned by EA Games, um, Electronic Arts. They are the company that runs games like Apex Legends and so on and so forth. But Bioware decided to push out a post before this report came out, which means they probably had an idea that the, the report was going out and when it was going out, or at least an idea. And it leaves us with some curious paragra paragraphs from them. So I just want to read that. They say, and I quote, We'd like to take a moment to address an article published this morning about Bioware. Pause. It wasn't published at the time of this, so it's kind of weird, but anyway, continuing on. Quote, and Anthem's development. First and foremost, we wholeheartedly stand behind every current and former member of our... Sorry. Hey there, Sanjit. How you doing today, guy? Um... Right. So, stand behind every current and former member of our team that worked on the game, including leadership. It takes a massive amount of effort 
energy, and dedication to make any game, and making Anthem would not have been possible without every single one of their efforts. We chose not to comment or participate in the story because we felt there was an unfair focus on specific team members and leaders who did their absolute best to bring this to totally new idea to fans. We didn't want to be a part of something that was attempting to bring them down as individuals. We respect them all and we built the game as a team. We put a great emphasis on our workplace culture in our studios. The health and well-being of our team members is something that we take very seriously. We have built a new leadership team. Sorry, we have built a new leadership team over the last couple of years, starting with Casey Hudson as our general manager in 2017, which has helped us make big steps to improve studio culture and creative focus. We hear the criticisms that were raised by the people in the piece today, and we're looking at the that alongside feedback that we received on, in our internal team surveys. We put a lot of focus on better planning to avoid crunch time, quote unquote, and it was not a major topic of feedback in our internal postmortems, meaning that it was still some form of a feedback. Anyway, making games, especially new IP or intellectual property, will always be one of the hardest entertainment challenges. We do everything we can to try and make it healthy and stress-free, but we know, we also know, there is always room to improve. As a studio and a team, we accept all criticism that will come our way for the games we make, especially from our players. The creative process is often difficult, the struggles and challenges of making video games are very real. But the reward of putting something we created into the hands of our players is amazing. People in this industry put so much passion and energy into making something fun. We don't see the value in tearing down one another or one another's work. We don't believe articles that do that are making our industry and craft better. So that's the article from or the post that Bioware made in response to the article that would come out a little bit later. That article well, from Bioware, has also gotten some pushback because it kind of awkwardly, according to Polygon, I'll use their words, it awkwardly concludes with a wag of the finger at the press for shining a light on the problems. The problem, they then go on to say, is the problem, which we'll get into in a moment. But I, I, I'm saying all this because I, guys, I want you guys to understand their point of view as we go through the article and the report. So, because I think that's very important. Um, I also want to just go through what some people who used to work at Bioware also said before we get into it. And now, this guy, Manver Hitter says i can't speak to any of anthem's devs itself but all the criticisms of frostbite the sh excuse the language the shittiest engine uh i've ever worked on 100 percent on point and seriously my life is so much better on unreal now where things you know work and content creators are you know empowered people were so angry and sad all the time which is a quote that is actually in the report Depression and anxiety are an epidemic within Bioware. Co-signed 
me a person who left bioware in 2017 with massive depression and anxiety that's taken me a while to get through and recover from now they also then go into say from jason schreer uh, he says, the more I reread and think about Bioware's response, the more I'm amazed by how cowardly it is. Written they, before they even read the article, attacking a journalist for reporting the truth about a company in crisis. It's almost hard to believe. And to be quite honest, this report does paint it to be like that. That it's a company in crisis. So, let's actually get into the article. I know I kind of led you on for a little bit so far so <clears throat> this article is done by jason schreer the guy i just mentioned as he's saying he rereads the um, post from bioware which you know he knows when the article was posted he posted it himself so he knows the time that he was supposed to do it this is on kotaku's website so you can actually go read it there as well if you want but I'll try to make it entertaining and give my feedback on this as well as we read. And I quote, It wasn't even supposed to be called Anthem. Just days before the annual E3 convention in June of 2017, when the story studio Bioware would reveal its newest game, the plan had to been to go with a different title, Beyond. They'd even printed out Beyond t-shirts for the staff. Then, less than a week before the Los Angeles press conference, held by Bioware's parent company, Electronic Arts, word came down that securing the rights to the trademark would be too difficult. Beyond was ruled out. The leadership team quickly switched to one of their backup options, Anthem. But we, whereas Beyond had been indicative of what Bioware had hoped the game would be, you'd go beyond the walls of your fort and into dangerous wilds around you, Anthem didn't really mean much. Everyone was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. What does this have to do with anything? Said one person who worked on the game. Just days before their game's announcement, the team at Bioware had a brand new name that no one really understood. And pausing strands uh you saying that but under scrutiny that is how you find issues and improve the way you develop a game listening to your customer views and opinions help you grow as a business and even friendly open company and i agree i think that's what bioware is trying to say that they're doing that they're listening to feedback but at the same time you're going to see where it articles like this are what break open cultures they broke open massive culture differences when it came to equality of pay, how women were treated. Uh, I mean, look at what happened. I think it was with Uber and the really sexualized stuff that was happening there. So, I mean, stuff like this is articles like this, reports and actual real serious investigation and journalism. Like this is the key part of journalism right here, in my opinion. Um, they really set well foot to ass in some ways apologies for that but you kind of need stuff like this but let's continue such a major 
Last-minute upheaval might seem strange to an outside observer, but on Anthem, it was common. Very few things went right in the development of BioWare's latest game, an online cooperative shooter that was first teased in mid-2012, but spent years floundering in pre-production. Many features weren't finalized or implemented until the very final months, and to some who worked on the project, it wasn't even clear what kind of game Anthem was even was until that E3 demo in June of 2017. Now, mind you, it was teased in 2012. Less than two years before it actually came out, which is in 2019, February of 2019. Later, they came up with an explanation for the name. The game's planet was enveloped by something called the Anthem of Creation, a powerful, mysterious force that left environmental cataclysms across the world. When Anthem launched in February of 2019, it was panned by fans and critics. Today, it has a 55 on the review aggregator creation site Metacritic, Bioware's lowest score since the company was founded in 1995. The developer, once known for his ambitious role-playing games like Dragon Age and the original Mass Effect trilogy, has now two critical flops in a row. Following 2017's disappointing Mass Effect Andromeda, which I mentioned earlier, although hardcore fans have put their faith in Bioware to continue fixing Anthem's bugs and improving its mechanics, especially since Bungie's Destiny, a similar game, had a rough launch and eventually recovered, few were happy with the initial release. Anthem wasn't just buggy and thin on content, it also felt half-baked, like it hadn't been playtested and tweaked enough by developers, with experience playing on other loot shooters. In the weeks after launch, there appeared to be a major new problem every day. Now, uh, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt, it wasn't as bad as this person's making it out and making it seem um it certainly did have its issues though i i won't deny that and every time they fixed something they for the most part broke something in return fans have speculated endless, endlessly as to how anthem went so awry was it originally a single player role-playing game like bayo's previous titles did ea force bioware to make a destiny clone did they strip out all of the good missions to sell later as downloadable content? And is the loot system secretly driven by an elaborate AI system that keeps track of everything you do so you can get to spend more money on the game? The answer to all of these questions is no. The account of Anthem's development, based on interviews with 19 per people who either worked with the game or adjacent to it, all of whom were granted a nominate... <laughs> anonymity because they were not authorized to talk about Anthem's development. It is a story of indecision and mismanagement. It's a story of technical fallings, failings, as EA's Frostbite engine continued to make life miserable for many of Bioware's developers and understaffed departments struggling to serve their team's needs. It's a story of two studios, one in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and another in Austin, Texas, that grew resentful towards one another thanks to tense, lopsided relationship. And it's a story of a video game that was in development for nearly seven years but didn't enter production until the final 18 months thanks to big narrative reboots, major design overhauls, 
and a leadership team said to be unable to provide a consistent vision and unwilling to listen to feedback. Perhaps most alarming is the story of a studio in crisis. That was said. Dozens of developers, many of them from decade-long veterans, have left Bioware over the past two years, some of whom have worked at Bioware's longest-running office in Edmonton to talk about depression and anxiety. Many say they have had to take um, they or their co-workers have had to take stress leave, a doctor-mandated period of weeks or even months worth of vacation for their mental health. One former developer said that they would frequently find a private room in the office, shut the door, and just cry. People were so angry and sad all the time. Depression and anxiety is, are an epidemic within Bioware. I actually cannot count the amount of stress casualties we had on Mass Effect, Andromeda, or Anthem said a third former Bioware developer in an email. A stress casualty at Bioware means someone has had such a mental breakdown from the stress they're just gone for one to three months. Some come back, some don't. Now, they actually made this this report bases a lot of what I just said. And that's the reason why I took the time to read that. I'm going to summarize just a little bit as we go on. But for the most part, they believe that there is a drastic need to change and that many at the company still talk about the success of 2014's Dragon Age, Dragon Age Inquisition being the worst thing that could have probably happened to them. And that sounds very weird when it comes from a game developer because you typically want your games to come out right and like maybe be a success but the reason why they didn't want it to be like that is because well it was the result of a brutal production process plagued by indecision and technical challenges it was mostly built over the course of its final year which led to a lengthy crunch of hours and a lot of exhaustion this is a quote some of the people in edmonton were so burnt out they were like, we needed Dragon Age Inquisition to fail in order for people to realize that this is not the right way to make games. Now, within the studio, there's a term that they mention a bit. It's called the Bioware magic or Bioware magic. And it's the belief that no matter how rough a game's production might be, things will always come together in the final months. The game will always coalesce. It will. It happened in the Mass Effect trilogy, happened in Dragon Age Origins, and Inquisition. Now, veteran Bioware developers refer to it, well, the production as a hockey stick. And if you have any idea what the hockey stick looks like, it's essentially like that. Where it's flat, and then almost near the end, it will peak up and go shooting upwards. And even when a project feels like it's a complete disaster, there's that belief that with enough hard work and a difficult crunch, meaning, you know, long hours, people not going home sometimes, you know, so on and so forth, it'll all come together. And, I mean, there was even an anime where they there was a bunch of girls, women, I should say, that were making games, and they quite literally had them sleeping on the floor at their jobs, like, sometimes but most times you know they would try to get them to go out but the leads the lead almost almost stayed there and 
that kind of became our home, which is kind of not a really good thing when it comes to mental health. But that was the culture in Japan, and that's what they're trying to say is happening over in Japan. Here we have something very similar happening in the States. And it's a mental health issue. That I think that's the real key thing to this. Because how they're developing these games is not very good for pre for people on a whole, physically and mentally. So, after high-profile failures like Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem, it has become clear to current and former Bioware employees that this attitude is no longer working. In recent years, Bioware has done serious damage to his reputation as a premier RPG developer, and maybe the hockey stick approach is no longer viable, or just maybe, that sort of production practice was never really sustainable in the first place. And they say that on Anthem, Bioware's magic has run out. For that, I, I'm not 100% sure of. If we do look at Destiny, that took months of time and effort and even d downloadable content for that to actually come and become a good game for both Destiny 1 and 2. We are just a little bit over a month since the release of Anthem. That's nowhere near the time schedule. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people have still have hope for Anthem. And I, I still hear people saying they'll come back to Anthem in a few months once things have calmed down, settled out, and the game has actually become better. And they've worked out all the kinks. So I can't necessarily agree with the magic running out, but it definitely is run out in terms of within the final months the game would have come together because even playing the closed alpha and whatnot, like I could tell they needed, I thought they were going to not launch it when they did. I thought they were going to take that time, fix what they were going to be doing. Thanks for following. Um, Vinylistic, Vinylic Flyer, Flyer 347. If I said that wrong, let me know, please. Um, But yeah, I, Definitely thought it was going to be better than what had happened. And, um, I mean, I got almost the same game from the closed alpha that went out to everyone else. It was kind of weird. Anyway, so in studio, they started calling it Dylan because in the late 2012 and 13, uh, when they were working on Mass Effect Trilogy, the Bioware director Casey Hudson and a small team of lifelong Mass Effect developers started work on a project that they hoped would be the Bob Dylan of video games, meaning that something would be referenced by video game fans for years to come. Uh, hey, Tidlia Crane. Uh, I mean, sure. If it's relevant, then we can do that. Now... While they did that, and hold on just one second, let me see what this link is. Oh, it's audio. I will uh, play this a little bit later. I'm in the middle of this audio, though. But. Right. Okay. So we were talking about the. Bob Dylan of video games. Now, 
they were saying that it was a mystery project. Anthem was a mystery project. You even needed a password to get into the wiki. And the team stayed small. Most of the staff were on Dragon Age Inquisition, which needed all hands on deck to ship by the end of 2014. The early ideas for Anthem were ambitious and changing constantly according to the people who were on the project. As it is typical during this sort of ideation phase, nobody really knew what the game would look like, and they just wanted to see what might be cool. It would be an action game, certainly, but you'd be able to play with your friends. The goal was to get away from the traditional sci-fi and fantasy, so it would feel distinct from Mass Effect and Dragon Age. Now, the concept that quickly emerged was the idea of a dangerous, hazard-filled planet. Anthem would be set on a hostile alien world, and in order to go out into the wilderness, you needed a robot suit. A realistic, NASA-inspired robot suit. The pitch was simple. Iron Man, but less cartoony. Which is kind of funny now, because there's now an Iron Man VR game for PS4 coming out. Uh... Sanjid says, they argued the point of bringing out a hot patch and something else seems to be broken. Yes, I agree. They should not have released it with a lot of bugs, but unlike most games that have issues when they are released, they take months to even fix minor bugs and other technical issues. And I agree. Like, they... There are bugs that are still inside Anthem from when you first started, but they... I've taken a lot of time to actually work out a lot of the bugs, especially the quality of life ones. But again, there are still monsters that will do a moon slide. There's still the issue of the loot drops and whatnot. They, and every time they decide to actually release a new patch, apparently we'll get a bunch of loot and then they'll patch it back out via server side or something like that. And so the loot goes back down. Um... So, I mean, it's it's a up and down thing for me. But over the months, a core like idea started to crystallize with Anthem. It's that the planet would be sort of like a Bermuda Triangle of the universe with an exonerable gravity that was constantly pulling in alien ships and hazards, something that doesn't happen in Anthem. As a result, the world would be lethal and full of dangerous creatures. Essentially, you are at the bottom of the food chain and everything is significantly more powerful than you. Said one person who was working on the game. Now, when describing these early iterations of... Sorry, iterations of Anthem, developers made comparisons to Dark Souls, Darkest Dungeons, and even Shadow of the Colossus. There were supposed to be big and scary creatures out in the world... Your job was to see how long you could survive, which is completely different than Anthem and its free play. One prototype allowed the player to attach themselves to a giant monster. Others centered around the atmosphere, the weather, and environmental effects. Quote, the idea was going to be that there were all these levers and could be pulled internally so that it'd be different events happening all at time. At all times. You'd be out somewhere. An electronical electrical storm. Would happen randomly. And you'd have to survive it. We had an early demonstration. Of this where the environment was dynamic. And by pulling levers. We can change it from the summer to winter to fall. 
you'd see snow hitting the ground, hitting the trees. There'd be state of the build where that was being demonstrated and that we could see this was something you could actually accomplish. And end of that quote, we actually did get a demonstration of this back in 2014 at E3. What's funny is that what we just saw actually is not inside Anthem pretty much at all. And the final game is pretty much nothing like that. Like, but there are some things that it did kind of have in mind. So the original idea for Anthem was supposed to be an online multiplayer game, but it wasn't always supposed to be a looter shooter. Um, in the early versions, it was supposed to be like you'd embark from a city, go out on expeditions with your friends, staying out in the world for as long as you could survive. You use the robotic exosuit, you'd fight monsters with melee and shooting attacks, but the focus was less on hoarding loot and more on seeing how long you could survive. So for one mission, as an example, you might go to the center of a volcano where you'd have to figure out why it was erupting, kill some of the creatures, and then fight your way back. That was supposed to be the main hook, that you're going out as a team, trying to accomplish something as a team, and then come back and talk about it. Along the way, you can scavenge and salvage alien ships for parts, bring them back to your base in order to upgrade your weapons or enhance your suit. And for the people who are working on that, that really struck a chord. That original idea struck a chord with them. But what remained unclear during this process was how many of these ideas and prototypes would actually work at scale. Because... These things can work in a sandboxed environment where it's just maybe like the player and the game. But when you take the player, the game, and the, take it online where other people can pretty much do whatever they want, then it changes so dramatically and you have to build around that. And that's some of the things that they kind of had an issue with were producing that kind of stuff at scale. And dynamic environments, giant creatures... Um, that really didn't work so well, especially when they're using what people say is, fro well, Frostbite, they continuously reference as being a very volatile video game engine that Bioware has been using for all of its projects. And the question was, did it support all of that? And from the looks of it, it almost didn't. Now, these questions lingered. And the Anthem team faced a major shakeup in August of 2014, which was, you know, as they continued to prototype and dream about their game, the same guy that I've been mentioning quite a bit, Casey Hutchinson, um, Hudson, who they even who Bioware themselves referenced inside their post that came up before this article. He's the guy that was their lead designer, like, and director, and he left. But it was odd because they, he said in his letter um, to the studio that the foundation of our new IP in Edmonton is complete and the team is ready to move forward into pre-production on a title that I think will redefine interactive entertainment. Now, John Warner, a relatively new hire who had worked on uh, for Disney before joining EA in 2011, took um, Casey's role. Now... Bioware veterans tended to describe him as Mass Effect, his Mass Effect team as the Enterprise from Star Trek. They did 
what the captain said, and they were all laser-focused on a single destination. Now, the Dragon Age team, on the other hand, people would reference them as more as a pirate ship, going from port to port until it reached its final destination. So, that Anthem's team, that Enterprise, uh, laser focus, that wasn't there anymore. And a lot of people, when they heard the news of him leaving, that drew a lot of worry. People still hoped that the core team itself would have still been able to hold up and produce on what the initiative was. And at times and at times, we kind of got the idea that it was, but the still worry was still there. Now, hey, Smoker935, um, welcome to the stream. Now, people still remained happy because, you know, Dragon Age Inquisition shipped out at the end of 2014 to critical acclaim. A lot of those developers moved over to Anthem. They found a team full of high hopes and ambitious ideas. Thanks for following, Smoker. Uh, welcome to the cookie pack, dude. Now, here's the thing. They say that these people are happy. And at the time, EA say that they had team health reports. And Anthem's morale was among the highest in all of EA. It really was, it was really, really good for quite a while. And everyone saw that there was so much potential in these early prototypes. And as one of my co-hosts like to say, uh, he doesn't believe in potential. But that's the key word, potential. One of the Bioware developers who hadn't yet moved over to Anthem recalled hearing those colleagues talk about how much better they had it than the people who were st stuck on Mass Effect Andromeda, and which was a time going through, you know, they were going through serious struggles, and thanks to challenges, technical challenges and significant directional changes, they, you know, they took so much time to experience, sorry, uh, they thought surely that that couldn't happen to Anthem because of how well things had gone so far thank you smoker i i appreciate that and i love that you love my videos like that that means a lot honestly um now one of the developers who worked on the game said that you know they took so much time to get the experience correct that they didn't they thought that's why morale was so high they knew they had taken the time to really refine what it was wanted and the game to be about, and they just had to go and produce it. Hey, Bud Blazer. I I hope I am. Now, here's what they say. Why would you do that? Why? Sorry, not why, but how could you go and produce this content? And as development progressed, it became clear that some of Anthem's team's original ideas either wouldn't work or weren't quite solidified enough to be implemented. Take Traversial, for example. The, amanda, sorry, the mandate was that Anthem's world would be massive and seamless. But how would you get around? The team played around with prototypes, exploring different ways in which you, your exosuit would move vertically across the world. For a long time, they thought it'd be climbing up the sides of mountains and ledges, but 
they couldn't really get that quite right. The early iterations of flying, which developers say was removed from and re-added to Anthem several times, were more like gliding. And members of Anthem team say it was tough to get the system feeling for all that fun. Every time they changed the traversal, it meant changing the world design accordingly, flattening and stretching terrain to accommodate the latest movement style. Now, just that by itself is difficult because knowing how players go, they're going to try and jump to areas they shouldn't really be going. There's going to be like invisible walls eventually somewhere. You know, it's doing something like that is not the easiest thing and having to consistently do that is not going to be really cohesive now there were experiments where the dynamic creatures and environmental houses would spawn randomly from the world but those weren't working smoothly either and that took a long time they say that the game was super reliant on this procedural system that just wasn't fun the story also started changing drastically too, because in early 2015, the veteran Dragon Age writer David Gator moved over to Anthem, and his version of the story looked a lot different than the ideas of which they'd been working and experimenting on for the past few years. His style was traditional Bioware, big, complicated villains, ancient alien artifacts, and so on, which ranked some of the sorry rankled some of the developers who were hoping for something more subtle. There were a lot of resistance from the team who just didn't want to see a sci-fi Dragon Age, I guess, said one developer. Another said, a lot of people were like, why are we telling the same story? Let's do something different. And that is actually the idea that they were trying to go for when they first started. And that that's what struck the chord with those veterans because they were doing something so different. So going back to this typical big baddie you know speed him save the world kind of thing is didn't quite feel right when they were asked for comments on it though uh gator said in an email that when he started on the project anthem design director preston what oh boy i'm gonna say this name wrong what had pushed him in a science fashion fantasy direction and he was fine with that as fantasy is more my comfort zone anyway but it was clear from the outset that there was a lot of opposition to the change from the rest of the team. Maybe they had assumed the idea for it came from me. I'm not sure, but it's comments like it's very Dragon Age kept coming up regarding any of the work me or my team did and not in a complimentary manner. There was a lot of people who wanted to say over and wanted to say over Anthem story and kept articulating a desire to do something different without really being uh, clear on what it was that outside of it just not being some anything Bioware had already done, which is apparently a bad thing. From my perspective, it was rather frustrating. Now that's from Gator. Gator left Bioware pretty much like a year later. As time says, as time passed, he didn't feel keen to play the game that he was working on. Uh, which led to new writers for Anthem and totally new story reboots, which led to even more chaos. Like, as you can imagine, writing for Bioware sets the foundation for all the games. Then writing is, when writing is unsure of what it's doing, it causes a lot of destruction 
to a lot of departments. This instability had become par for course on Atham's team as Hudson's departure left a void that proved tough to fill. And, you know, quite honestly, that's why people had that big concern when he left. It's because who do you get to replace this guy? Like, he's done so much. He's well-respected. It was not really that great of a, a, a move. Now, the job of steering that fell to the creative leadership team, a group that included game director John Warner, who I had mentioned before, design, uh, design director Preston Watamanaluk, who I mentioned before, art director Derek Watts, animation director Parrish Lay, and a handful of other Mass Effect veterans who had been in, on Anthem since the beginning. Some current and former Bioware employees felt a lot of resentment towards this group, though, and interviews... Many who worked on Anthem accused the leadership team of indecision and mismanagement. They went even so far as to say, quote, The root of all this was their lack of vision. What are we making? Please tell us. The recurrent theme was there was no vision, there was no clarity, and no single director saying, this is how it all works together. They never seemed to settle on anything. They were always working for something more, something new. I think... Most people on the team felt like we didn't know exactly what the game was or what it was supposed to be because it kept changing so much. Now, pretty much uh, anything that is this... Uh, oh, chaos I, I think that's probably the best word. It's actually not the best word, but anything that this is like this where it's so jumbled, there's no clear direction and leadership is going to have these issues. And I think that's kind of where things started to really fall apart. It definitely seems like that's the reason why, because when you start changing the story, that means you then have to start changing how the direction of the game goes, meaning that some of the things that you would have built up for game design is also going to change as well, which can then affect the world and how it looks and feels. I mean, we were supposed to have stuff falling from the sky, and, I mean, sure, we're going to have cataclysms that's going to be falling from the sky, but they don't actually affect the world like that. They're just kind of there. So, they go on to say that the most common anecdote relayed to me by, uh, well, to this uh, writer, by current and former Bioware employees was this. A group of developers are in a meeting that are debating some creative decision, like the mechanics of flying or the lore behind the Scar alien race. One of the um civilizations and races inside anthem some people disagree on the fundamentals and then rather than some people someone stepping up and making a decision about how to proceed the meeting would end with no real verdict leading everything in flux that would just happen over and over stuff would take a year or two just to figure out because no one really wanted to make the call on it keep in mind though that everyone had hard decisions to make that we've never really done before. New IP, new genre, new technology, new style. Everything was new. Now, taking a, a step and looking at that, there has been some companies that have taken it to themselves that after meetings, they will then hold a little bit of a survey to say, was there anything really worthwhile that came out of it? And if the answer is a majority no, then 
they know they need to change up how they're having these meetings either stop having them change the people who's actually in the meetings make sure the people who are supposed to be in the meetings are actually there things like that and i know from my personal experience if something like that was to happen and people actually worked on changing how the meetings actually worked then a lot of the stuff that should happen typically would happen but throughout 2015 and 16 it appeared that anthem's team they were accomplishing very little and they struggled with the online infrastructure. They didn't figure out how to do the missions. I mean, even up to just a few weeks ago, they still didn't know how to work with some of the missions and they were still removing like fog gates and stuff like that because of how people hated either them happening before or after the missions and people getting locked out of areas with a fog gate while their team was stuck without them on the other side. Now, while they were doing all that, they also had to build a few environments and creatures, and it wasn't clear exactly what the basic gameplay would look like. The story was changing. Progress on the game grew sluggish. One early idea was that there would be multiple cities, which would eventually turn into one city, and player-created outposts, which eventually turned into one city, and a mobile strider base, which eventually turned into just a single fort. And those earlier survival ideas just melted away. There was some fig still figuring out the core parts of the IP, like crafting, material, which is ember, how technology worked, that sort of thing. Um, the whole back-end architecture and everything wasn't figured out yet either. At the same time, BioWare's studio leadership had to focus much of its attention on Mass Effect Andromeda, a game that was still causing headaches for just about everyone, and whose rapidly approaching release date was set in stone. Put another way, Anthem might have to start, might, might have started looking like it was on fire, but Andromeda was already nearly burnt to the ground. Complicating these problems even more was the fact that sometimes when the Anthem leadership team did make a decision, it would take weeks or even months just to see it set into action. There were a lot of plans where the, by the time they were implemented, it was a year later and the game had already evolved into something different. The explanation for this lie can be summed up in one word, and that word was plagued by many EA Studios EA Studios for years now, most notably Bioware and the now-defunct Visceral Games, and that word is Frostbite. That's their video game engine, if you didn't remember. Now, they say that, quote, Frostbite is full of razor blades. Um... They say that as the engine or the suite of technology that is used to make a game uh, created by EA, uh, EA's Switch Swedish Studios DICE in order to make Battlefield shooters, the Frostbite engine became ubiquitous across Electronic Arts the pa within this past decade thanks to initiative led by former executive Patrick Schwindling to get all of its studios under the same technology. By using Frostbite rather than a third-party engine like Unreal, those studios could share knowledge and save a whole lot of money in licensing fees. <coughs> now, Bioware shifted to Frostbite for Dragon Age Inquisition in 2011, which caused massive problems for that team. Many of the features for the, um, those developers are taken for granted in previous engines like save load systems and third-party cameras simply did not exist in Frostbite, which meant that the Inquisition team had to build them all from scratch. And Mass Effect Andromeda ran into similar issues. Maybe the third time was going to be the charm? 
Nope. Anthem was not the charm. Using Frostbite to build an online-only action game, which Bioware had never done before, led to a host of new problems for Bioware's designers, artists, and programmers. They say that, quote, Frostbite is like an in-game house, and sorry, in-house engine with all the problems that entails. It's poorly documented, hacked together, and so on, with all problems of an externally sourced engine. Nobody actually, no one you actually work with designed it, so you don't know why this thing works the way it does, why it's named the way it's named. Uh, they go on to say that throughout the early years of the development, the team realized that the ideas they had originally conceived would be difficult, if not impossible, to create on this new engine, Frostbite. The engine allowed them to build big, beautiful levels, but that wasn't equipped with the tools to support all of those ubiquitous, uh, ambitious prototypes that they had created. Slowly and gradually, they'd started cutting back on the environmental and survival features that they'd devised for Anthem, in large part because they just weren't working. Quote, Part of the trouble was that you could do enough in the engine to hack it to show it was possible, but then get it to the investment behind it to get it to actually done took a lot longer. In some cases, you'd run into a brick wall. Then you'd realize, oh my god, we can only do this only if we reinvent the wheel, which is going to take too long. It is something. It was sometimes difficult to know when to cut and run. Even in today's day and age, though, they say that the developers um, say that Frostbite can make their jobs, jobs exponentially more difficult, which is not what you want when you have a video game engine. You want it to make their jobs easier. Now, building new iterations on levels and mechanics can be challenging due to sluggish tools, while bugs can take a few minutes to squash might require days of back end and forth conversations. If it takes you a week to make a little bug fix, it discourages people from fixing bugs. If you can hack around it, you hack around it as opposed to fixing it properly. They would say that the biggest problem that they had with Frostbite was how many steps you needed to do something basic. With another engine, they could do something themselves, maybe with a designer. Here's the complicated thing, because it's hard enough to make it a game. It's really hard to make a game where you have to fight your own tool set all the time. And even from the beginning, Anthem's senior leadership had to make the decision to start from scratch for a large part, part of the game's technology rather than using this, all the systems the company had built for Inquisition and Andromeda. Part of this was probably because of the desire to stand out from those teams, but the explanation was simple. Anthem was online. Those other games were not. The inventory system the Bioware already had designed for Dragon Age on Frostbite might not stand up to an online game either, so Anthem's team figured they'd probably have to build a new one. Towards the end of the project, we started complaining, said one of the developers. Maybe we would have gone further if we had Dragon Age Inquisition stuff, but we were also complaining about lack of main manpower in general. It often felt to the team that they were understaffed, according to the developer that, and others that worked on the game. Many were told that the team was a fraction of the size of the developers behind similar games like Destiny and The Division. And there was a number of reasons for this. One was, you know, in 2016, the FIFA games had to move over to Frostbite, and the annual soccer franchise was EA's most important series, bringing a large chunk of the publisher's revenue, and Bioware had programmers with Frostbite experience, so EA shifted them over to FIFA. Which was definitely not good. 
a lot of the really talented engineers were actually working on FIFA when they should have been working on Anthem, said one person who was working on the project. There's also the fact that Bioware's main office was located in Edmonton, a place where the where winters can dip to sometimes minus uh, 20 or even minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit, where staff there says they had to make it more difficult to recruit veterans from more habitable cities. One also has to wonder how many programmers heard about Frostbite's razor blades and decided to shy away. When the Bioware engineer had questions or they wanted to report bugs, they'd usually have to talk to EA Central Frostbite team, a group that supported staff who worked with all of the publisher studios. Within EA, it was common for studios to battle for resources like Frostbite, Steam, um, Frostbite team's time. And Bioware would usually lose those battles. After all, role-playing games brought in a fraction of the revenue FIFA or Battlefront did, and the amount of time that amount of support you get on an EA game on Frostbite is based on how much money your studios is going to make, said one developer. All of BioWare's best laid technological plans could go awry if it weren't getting the help they expected. No matter how many people were involved, the one thing about Frostbite would always mean consistent. As it did with Dragon Age Inquisition and Mass Effect Andromeda, it made everything take longer than anyone thought it should. By the end of 2016, you know, Anthem had already some sort of pre-production for roughly four years. After this much time, a more typical video game development cycle, it would have already entered production. A point in a project where the team had a full version of what they're making and can actually start building out in a game. So those who were working on Anthem say that when they started feeling like they were in, that's when they were in trouble, like the game was screwed. They, they would soon have to face some sort of last minute production crunch that their co-workers were suffering on Mass Effect Andromeda. Yet word came down from leadership that everything would work out and it was time for Bioware magic. You had to throw your prior knowledge out and either go on blind faith or just hope that things were going to turn out well. A lot of the veterans, guys who had only ever worked at Bioware, said that everything was going to be fine in the end. It was really hard on people who couldn't go on that blind faith. One of the developers also said that, you know, they and some of their co-workers would bring up these concerns to directors only to be ignored. You'd come to management saying, look, we're seeing the same problems on Inquisition and Andromeda where design wasn't figuring things out and it's getting really late on the project and the core of the game isn't defined. Basically saying, hey, the same mistakes are happening again. Did you guys see this the last time? Can you stop this? And they'd just be quite dismissive about it. Over the months, though, Anthem had begun naturally picking up ideas and mechanics from loot shooters like The Division and Destiny. Although even mentioning the word Destiny was taboo at Bioware. Diablo 3 was the reference, preferred reference point. A few people who worked on the game said that trying to make comparisons to Destiny would elicit negative reactions from studio leadership. We were told quite defi um, defi uh, definitively, this isn't Destiny, but it kind of is. What you're describing is beginning to go into that realm. They didn't want to make those correlations, but at the same time, whether you're talking about fire teams and you're going off and doing raids together about gun control, spells, things like that, there's a lot of elements that correlate and cross over. But because the leadership didn't want to discuss Destiny, they found it hard 
to learn from what Bungie looter shooters did well. They needed to look at games like Destiny because they're the market leaders. They're the guys that have been working on these things best and that they should have been looking at them as how to do things. As an example, the developer brought up the unique feel of Destiny's large variety of guns, something that Anthony, as Anthem seemed to be lacking, in large part because it was being built by a bunch of people who had made RPGs. We didn't have enough knowledge and design skill to be able to do that and develop that kind of diversity. One long-standing Bioware tradition is for their teams to build demos that the staff could take all take home during the Christmas break, and it was Anthem's turn for Christmas of 2016. By this point, though, Bioware's leadership had decided on removing flying from the game. They just couldn't figure it out, how to make it feel good, and Christmas builds took place on a flat terrain. You'd run through the farm and shoot some aliens. Some on the team thought it was successful proof of concept, but others at Bioware felt it looked dull and looked mundane. In 2017, a few things happened. Andromeda finally launched, freeing up the bulk of Bioware's team to join Anthem, including Bioware's Austin office. And the Montreal office began to quietly wind down and eventually closed, leaving Bioware as two entities rather than three. Now, developers said that Sordners summoned a group of high-level Bioware staff to fly out of Stockholm, Sweden, and meet with the developers at DICE, the studio behind uh, Bioware, sorry, Battlefield and um, Frostbite. They then said that it was time for a new build. What Pete began was six weeks of pretty significant crunch to do a demo specifically for Patrick Snoodlin. And they overall the art, knowing that the best way to impress him would be to make a demo that looked as pretty as possible. And after the, some heated arguments, the Anthem team decided to put flying back in. For years, the team had gone back and forth about it. It had been cut, re-added, but it was undeniably cool. Um, what better way to feel like Iron Man to zip around the world in a giant ro robot suit? On the other hand, it kept breaking everything. Few open-world games allowed for that kind of vertical freedom for good reason. If you could fly everywhere, then the entire world needed to be able to accommodate that. And artists wouldn't be able to just throw up mountains or walls to prevent players from jumping off the boundaries of the planet. Plus, the Anthem team worried that if you could fly, you'd blaze past the game's environments rather than stopping to explore and check out the scenery. One day in the spring of 2017, though, uh, they, the, um, Sutherland flew to Edmonton and made his way to Bioware's offices and Torrejan Toe. The team had completely overall the art and re-added flying, which they hoped would feel significantly impressive, but the tensions were high in the wake of the last demo's disappointment and, you know, Andromeda's high-profile failure. One of our QA people had been playing it over and over again so they could get a flow of the timing down perfectly. Within 30 seconds or so, the Exo jumps off and glides off, off this precipice and lands. And according to two people who were in the room, he was stunned. He turns around and says, that was effing awesome. Show it to me again. And one person who was there, who was like, that is amazing. And that's exactly what I wanted. The demo became the foundation for the seven minute uh, gameplay trailer that they showed a few weeks in public a few weeks later. And just a few days after the last minute name change from Beyond to Anthem, Arian Flynn took the stage of EA's E3 press conference and announced the game. The next day, Microsoft's press conference, they showed a demo that helped 
everyone, including Bioware's own developers, finally see how Anthem would play. What the public didn't know was that even then, Anthem was still in pre-production. Progress had been so slow that the demo was mostly guesswork, team members say, which is why Anthem that actually launched looked so drastically different from the demo the team showed at E3 in 2017. The real game, you'd have to go through mission selection, menu, and loading screen before you could even leave your base in Fort Tarsus. In the demo, it all happened seamlessly. The demo is full of dynamic environments and giant creatures and mechanics that bear little resemblance to the final product. I still remember the, the demo having this large monster that is almost like a big gorilla and just jumping through jungles, and I don't necessarily see that. I see the Ursix mainly in two or three places, but not really interacting with other monsters and other species that are around. Um, but that's what it, that's when it really felt like that's the game that they were making. But it still felt like it took a while to get the entire team up to speed. It was also tricky because there were still a lot of question marks. The demo was not actually built properly. A lot of it was fake, like most E3 demos. There was a lot of stuff that was like, oh, are we actually doing this? Or do we have tech for that? Do we actually have the tools for that? To what end can you fly? How big of the world should it be? Hey, Chilogen. Uh, the abilities and all that were still getting decided, said another developer. Nothing was set in stone at that point at all. Going out of pre-production is never really the crisp thing. You just have to go looking at the altitude attitude of the team and see what they're doing and the fact that the matter is fundamental things were not figured out yet and at e3 bioware announced that anthem would launch in fall 2018 behind the scenes however they just barely even implemented a single mission and the drama was just getting worse until very recently hardware bioware fans used to refer to the studio's various teams using derogatory tiers there was the a team the b team the c team and the A-Team were referred to the original Bioware, the office in Edmonton, California, responsible for Dragon Age and the Mass Effect trilogy. And then there was the B-Team that made Star Wars or Republic, uh, the uh, old online role-playing game. And the C-Team is the ill-fated studio behind Mass Effect Andromeda. What fans may not have realized was that even within Bioware, some people thought the same way. Anthem is a game where you get a st from a studio that is a war from itself and after shipping out the old republic in 2011 and continuing to cultivate and support it by where austin started a few of its own projects there was shadow realms um there was a star wars game there was the night of the old republic so on and so forth but by the end of 2014 these projects those projects were canceled and bioware had an active an initiative called one bioware a plan designed to get all of the company's studios working in tandem. And many of Austin's staff moved to Inquisition, downloadable content, and then Andromeda. By early 2017, most of the time, around the time Sutherland was demanding to see that new demo, most of Austin was officially on Anthem, helping with just about every department from cinematics to storytelling. Uh, they were still finding a vision for the game. They saw multiple presentations, given the entire studio trying to define what Anthem was about. And it was indicative of how much conflict there was still trying to find a vision of the game. And over how many people were struggling to have a vision become the one that won out. Now, 
The story was still in flux under new narrative direct, um, director James Ohlin, who would also leave Bioware before Anthem also shipped out. And the design was moving particularly slowly with the systems like mission structure, loot, exosuit powers still not finalized. And a number of veteran Bioware developers began leaving the studio that summer and ultimately the death of Corey Gasper, one of the game's lead designers, left a massive hole in that department. Core features like loading and saving that still hadn't been implemented into the game. And it just became difficult to play test builds because they were riddled with bugs. Now, the article goes on, to be quite honest. And I could be here for probably like another half an hour just telling you guys what it says. But the fact of the matter is, at no point should it get to the this level of chaos. This is too much of an indecisive leadership team that seemingly just continuously changes at no point should you really have a business that you see leadership changing within the span of half a decade more than five times and that's not even taking into account the the design of this game which seemed to have changed almost a dozen and you know the fact that people would leave for two to three months because of mental health prescribed by doctors where people would sit in a room and cry because of the stress that they were under to actually get this game out. That's not normal type of crunch. Sure, let there be crunch for um, gaming studios. But when it gets to that level, when it gets to that level, something's off. Now, at this time, Anthem's on fire. October, you know, Bioware decided to make some changes again. The summer, studio general manager departed to be replaced by Casey Hudson. You know, the guy who then decided to leave as well. Um, just try to finish what you started is what some of the developers are thinking. The hard part about this was that there was still a lot of things to figure out, that there were a lot of tools to be able to ship the game that they were making it was very scary because there was very little time left i don't know guys like i'm gonna leave a link to this because there's still so much more to this and i can come back and do another episode if you guys want me to but i think i'm gonna end it for here for tonight and just so that I really feel for the Anthem team. I understand a lot better now the reason why they feel the way they feel when they go onto the forums and hear everyone throwing the amount of salt and hate and vitriol at them because of how the game came out. In all honesty, like, Bioware didn't, the developers didn't really seem to have much of a choice. They had to come up with something and they were under so much different sets of crunches that this is the best that they could do and just hope that they can fix it once the game was launched. They should have had the time to actually work on it. And actually they did, but their leadership was just crap and couldn't decide on anything. So the time that they did have, 
it was squandered. And yes, that's on Bioware. But at the same point, it's also not the devs who have the issue. It's the people who lead the devs. And I think that's what we have to be respectful about. So while, yes, I spent a lot of time on this episode, really digging deep into this. And, um, you know, there's a lot of changes that have happened. In the weeks after launch, Bioware's Austin office began taking over live service as it had been planned. Edmonton started to move over to new projects like Dragon Age 4. Um, there's a belief that Anthem can be fixed, that with a few more months and some patience from players, it will leave the same. It will have the same redemption story as so many service games before it, from Diablo 3 to Destiny. Yet, questions linger about Anthem's production practices. Many of those who have left the company over the past few years share concerns about the studio's approach to game development. There's widespread worry that the soul of Bioware has been ripped away, that this belief in Bioware magic has burnt too many people out that too many talented veterans have left there are these things that need to change about how st that studio operates said one former developer that there are lessons that need to be learned and that the only way they'll get learned is if they become public knowledge and that one big change that's already been enacted at bioware is a new technology strategy that developers still in the studio say that it's un that under Casey Hudson, rather than the start from scratch yet again, the next Dragon Age will be built on Anthem's code base. And they, there's a quote now saying that I think Anthem might be the kick in the butt that Bioware leadership needed to see that how you develop games has changed dearly. You can't just start fresh and fumble your way around until you find the fun that doesn't work anymore. And that perhaps Anthem will morph into a great game one day. A few people who worked on the game have expressed optimism for the future. And a lot of us who were screaming at the wall, says one Austin developer, over time, what builds up is okay. When we get control, we're going to fix it. Sure, the game has all these problems and we understand them. It's very much a motivated to fix attitude. And that the game that emerged from the six and a half year development cycle was the result of a number of difficult, complicated factors. One that won't be quite easy to fix as Anthem's loot drop rates are loading screens. When the Anthem team started development back in 2012, they hoped that to make the Bob Dylan of video games. One that could be referenced and remembered for generations. And they might have accomplished that. Just not quite the way they hoped. I'm going to leave off with there. And like I said, I'm going to leave an, a link to this article in the description of the video when it goes to uh, YouTube and in the podcast uh, con uh, little content area for text. But um, yeah, guys, this one's a heartfelt one. There's a lot of hurt from all around. But I'm going to end it there. If you want to continue the conversation, by all means, join the Discord chat. It's in, our, in the links below the 
video either on twitch or wherever you're watching this there's a link should be there somewhere um if you want to message us on twitter it's moar cookie underscore cookies if you want to watch any of our past episodes we're on youtube or you can head over to our website the youtube is moar cookies and the website is moarcookies.com we're also on a podcast like i mentioned at the beginning of this episode where you can listen to all of our episodes the audio versions and um until next time guys this is more cookies and esports wrap stay savvy